We're starting a new series this morning called Choose Life. We <clears throat> spent a couple weeks on the sacraments, so we went through the two sacraments of the Christian faith, baptism and communion. And if, uh, if you're new to the Christian faith and you, you didn't really understand what communion was all about or you didn't really understand what baptism is all about, I encourage you to go on our YouTube channel or you can go on our website and you can get caught up uh, on those sermons. And they'll, they'll uh, help you understand why we do those things and what they mean and what the power is in it and all of that. So somebody told me this morning that the Saints played at 8.30 this morning and so that it didn't matter if I kept you all the way till the afternoon. So that's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that time. I'm just going to assume he was speaking on behalf of all of you and uh, that you all feel that way. So, no, I'm kidding. It won't change anything. It doesn't change anything one way or the other. If they're playing, if not playing, you know, we just, we're here for the time we're here. And sometimes we'll go a little longer, not usually shorter, though. That's usually not the direction. Turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, and I want to warn you, this series is a sort of take responsibility type series, okay? This is a, so, you know, sometimes you come to church and you, you want to hear things that make you feel really good about, say, for example, the cross, grace, mercy, forgiveness, all of that thing, you know, hope in Christ, our eternity being secure, those are all truths, those are all there. This isn't really that type of series, okay? Uh, you got to come for a while to hear it all, right? The whole counsel of God should be preached, right? The, so there's a lot of things that are in Scripture that aren't necessarily encouraging. Some people say, come to church and they say, well, I, I feel like I should leave church, church being encouraged. Well, let me ask you this. Do you always feel encouraged every time you read your Bible? Because sometimes I feel, I feel convicted when I read my Bible, Sometimes I walk away feeling discouraged when I read my Bible, like, oh, I'm falling short in that area. So the whole counsel of God, we're not going to just, you know, cover things that make us feel good. We want to cover it all. And this series, Choose Life, it's a very take responsibility type series. And I've met, as a pastor, I've met a lot of people that sometimes they love, seri there's, there's a certain type of person that they love a sermon like this, and there's a certain type of person that will just about leave a church over it, because it's like, I don't want to hear about anything I'm doing wrong, all right? I don't want to hear about nothing I got to fix, nothing I got to get right, and all I can say is that's on you, okay? That's a problem in you, all right? That's, that's not supposed to be that way. Um, but I will say that for me personally, I found a long time ago, I really like these types of series for myself, because I, when, anytime I shine the light inward, anytime I shine the light on me, actually it feels very empowering. Because once I realize that most things are within my power to change, I can actually do something about it. If on the other hand I'm living, a, a li living life through a lens that has a habit of blaming other people, and seeing everyone else's faults, and nothing is my fault, you know, I, I, I didn't have anything to do with this, and, and we just blame other people. That's very disempowering to me, to go, it, because then your only position is basically, well, this isn't my fault, so there's nothing I can do about it. On the other hand, I like, for example, here's a statement that I live by, here's a statement that I heard years ago, I have taught this statement to our staff. We have a, a, a men's group we meet with. I've taught this statement. This, this statement is something I live by. And it's a, it's a jarring statement. I didn't write it. It came from Pastor Craig Groeschel, who's a, a 
pastor of Life Church. And he said this, he said, anything that is frustrating you, you have either created or allowed. And immediately, some people's minds go to, oh, well, what about this? <laughs> and they immediately start trying to find exceptions. What about this? What about this? What about this? Look, I understand you can find exceptions. I understand you can find exceptions. But I actually found this statement to be very freeing because anytime I was mad, aggravated, frustrated, uh, discouraged, felt like I'd gotten the short end of the stick, if I just applied this statement, anything that's frustrating you, you've either created it, you've either created the problem, your own self, or at the very least, you've allowed it to continue by not changing it or by keeping yourself in that situation or by not leading through it like you should have. Anything that's frustrating you, you've either created or allowed. Now, are there exceptions? Yeah, of course. There are things that happen to us that are beyond our control. There are tragedies that happen, right? There are, there are sometimes health issues that happen. There, there are things that happen in our life that this doesn't apply to. That's not what we're talking about, and that's not where we're going. The, the main fact of this remains that the majority of things that are happening in our life are within our control. And God gave us that control. And you go, well, I've been done wrong this way, and this happened to me, and this person did me wrong. Well, let's track it back. Let's track it all the way back to your commitment to Christ, and were you in church, and were you praying like you should, and reading like you should, and doing the things, and having the habits that you should. And if you're doing those things all the way along, maybe you wouldn't be in this situation. And again, some people don't like that because they don't ever want to blame themselves for anything. And they go through life almost like life is being done to them instead of them living life. But I'm going to show you from the Word of God that this is not the case. Here's the other thing that I want to make sure we understand as we go through this series. We need to go through this, these truths and these scriptures through the lens of the grace of God. In other words, this shouldn't be a condemning series. Like th The point of the series, obviously, is not to go, look at all the mistakes you've made, you knucklehead. Look at uh, look how you've screwed everything up, and you just yeah, the whole thing's a mess because of your bad choices. That's what good is that going to do? We're all going to just walk out of here like, man, we're sorry, a bunch of sorry people, you know, making the worst decisions. Well, you can't go back and change the past. You can't unscramble eggs, so to speak. So that doesn't do any good. But at the same time, how do you change going forward if you don't acknowledge the mess that you've made behind? I mean, if you actually think all the problems that have happened in your life are not your fault, then you're going to just repeat those mistakes going forward. But the moment that you acknowledge, man, there were some big things in the past that I maybe was blaming other people for, blaming my parents, blaming my ex-wife, ex-husband, blaming this, blaming that, uh, you know, blaming the government, I don't, blaming whatever. Okay? If, if that's how you're going through life, you're going to just keep repeating that. You're just going to keep repeating it, and it's going to follow you all the way to the grave. So the point of these series is, yeah, we do have to look back and go, actually, no, a lot of the messes that happen in your life, they're on us. And, and we could track them back to choices we've made or didn't make. And once we acknowledge that, then from this point forward, we can start living differently. We can start making different choices. And here's the other thing I want to tell you about this series that just because you start making right choices today, everything's not going to change tomorrow. And this is a, a common thing that I encounter where people, they, they, they spent 10, 20 years living one way and created a certain 
we'll say mess or at least just sort of set of circumstances. And then they, they live right and do the right thing for a week. And they're like, I've been doing, I've been going to church. I've been, in maybe two weeks, three weeks, I've been going to church. I've been praying. I've been reading my Bible. And it just seems like nothing's changing. Look, you got into this situation through 10, 20 years of sowing seed. And I have to tell you that there's still a harvest on those seeds. The Bible says God is not mocked. There's a harvest on those seeds. They're still going to come in. But what you have to do is start sowing different seeds today. And over a long period of time, and we don't like to hear that, but over a long period of time of sowing good seeds and a really good harvest to start coming in. You know, it's like if you walked as a farmer, you walked onto a property that was just a dust bowl from years of overuse and bad farming practices and, and you know, just dust everywhere and weeds and there's just nothing good. You can't turn that around overnight. It's going to take a while, but it can get back to where it's fertile ground and good things can be planted there. But it takes it takes time. So, let's go to Genesis chapter 1 with those things in mind. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God's creating man. We're going to pay real close attention to what he says here. Then God said, let us make man. Us being God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's why we believe in the Trinity, right? Right there. Let us, talking about the Godhead. Let us make man in our image after our likeness so you were made to be like God in a lot of different ways one way first way being the way you look all right God looks like us God has two eyes two ears I think he's got a beard from some things I read in scripture I not just Jesus I think there's a beard up there so that's good I'm on the right track with that he's got Hands, the Bible talks about the hands of God, the arms of God, the feet of God. God looks like you are, you are created in His image, literally the way that you look. If you were to see God today, He would have a human appearance, or rather, actually, we have His appearance. Okay, so, so He doesn't look like us, we look like Him. We were created in His image. Everything else He created doesn't look like that. Everything else He created is different. Those are animals. But we were created in the image of God in the way that we look. You look like God. You want to know what God looks like? He looks like us. Probably a little bit better shape, you know, than some of us. A little more handsome than some of us, but he looks like us in, in that way. But when it says that we were created in the image of God and after our likeness, he's not just talking about the way that we look. In almost every way, we are like God. We have the abil ability to think like God. We have the ability to communicate and talk like God. No other animal can, can speak like humankind, understand language and communicate through language. We have the ability to reason. We have the ability to create. When we showed up on this planet, it was a blank slate. There were no buildings, no roads, no utilities, no cars, no internet, no anything. All of that was created by beings that were given the ability to create because they were made in the image of God. God's a creator, right? He, he speaks things into existence. Let there be light and, you know, the sun and stars and planets are formed. He's the most creative being ever. I mean, when you, when you see things in the ocean, you th see things in nature. He's a creator at heart. You're made in his image. This is why we paint. This is why we make music. This is why we build things. It's, it's innate in us. Why? Because 
Man was made in the image of God after our likeness. We were made after the image and likeness of God. So you're, you're way more like God than you think. Some go, well, am I God? Well, people have made that mistake thinking of that. You're not God, but you are God-like. Enough so, enough so that you're called a son of God. You're called a daughter of God. Not, and, and Jesus is called the son of God. And when you read in Scripture, you find out there's not really that. It's kind of a gray, very fine line. There's not really that much difference between you and Jesus in a lot of ways, especially when it comes to status in heaven because the Bible said he made you a co-heir along with Jesus. Jesus was made the heir of all things, and then you were made a co-heir along with Christ. You were adopted as sons and fathers. And the whole, the whole point of the adoption was to give you a status in the, in the family of God. And that will be fully and completely realized when we get to, to heaven. But you're very much like God. All of us are very much like God because we were created in His image after His likeness. Now, let's keep reading. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So what's going on here? Well, God made a planet, and he, and he filled it with all kinds of life, and then he delegated some of his rulership and some of his authority, he delegated to his man, the, his, the crown of creation. He delegated, he delegated to the man and woman that he made in his image. And he said, I'm God, I rule everything, but I'm taking some of that rulership and that authority, and I'm giving it to you, and you're going to have dominion over all of this. Now you're going to find out really quick that God is not a micromanager. He gave authority and then he stepped back and he said, what are you going to do with that dominion and that authority? Because why? Well, you'd been created in the image of God. You'd been created in the likeness of God so you had all the tools necessary to do this well and do this right, to do this in a godly way like God would do it. So there was an enormous amount of freedom, an enormous amount of responsibility given there over all the birds, all the livestock, all the creeping things. We were to have, he said, let them have dominion. The Bible's so clear that all authority comes from God. No one has any authority without God giving it. God gave man, the Bible said, dominion over the planet Earth. God has dominion over all the universe, but over Earth... He gave man dominion. This was a key moment in our, in our history and in our story. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them. So here's his instructions. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply Fill the earth and subdue it. That means bring it under your authority. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that comes on the earth. I literally think that I've received more instructions when I've bought a blender. Like, this is just a couple sentences. It might just be one sentence. Here are the keys to the earth. He said, I was going to tell you a few things. Be fruitful and multiply. Take dominion over everything. Why would his instructions be so short? Well, you've got to understand, because it shows how capable we were. 
Don't, don't ever think that man was like, you know, in a cave somewhere talking oogie boogie, you know, to one another and grunting, oh, 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 you know, trying to figure out how to light fire. That's foolishness. No, we were created in day one in the image of God. We could think like God, talk like God, rule like God, take dominion like God from the very beginning. And the reason that we were given such little instruction was because we were already in the image. We were so capable. We were so advanced. We were so fit, perfectly fit for this task that God said, here's the instructions. And he gave maximum freedom, maximum freedom. He said, look, take dominion. What you do with it from here forward is on you. What you do with it from, you, from here forward is on you. I'm giving you that level of freedom. Some of you got teenagers that on that line, right? They're like 17, 18. You're on that line trying to figure out like how much freedom do I give? Do I not give? At what point do I actually take the axe and just cut the reins? And now I have no control and they have maximum freedom and control. And like from here forward, I, I have no input or say in their life other than just advice. But I have no control. That's the moment where they step into maximum freedom. And what they do with that freedom is scary. It could be scary. Right? They, they could literally destroy their lives. Or they could go and make something beautiful. But they have maximum freedom. And this is what's happening here. God created man, created him in his, filled him with his knowledge, filled him with his understanding, gave him the instructions he needed, and he set us loose. And he said, now go take dominion. He gave us maximum freedom. Now, let's talk about freedom for just a minute because this is going to be very key to our, to our understanding and in our, in our future as we go through this, this series. I want to give you two very important points about freedom. Number one, freedom and control have an inverse relationship. Okay, so you can't have high freedom and high control. You can't have maximum freedom and maximum control. In order to increase a person's freedom, you have to decrease your control in their life. You, you can't have, you can't, they can't have maximum freedom and still have control in your life. Again, as parents, we know this. We're raising kids, and, and when they're born, they have zero freedom. They, they start out with no freedom, because if you gave them freedom, they could choke on a Skittle. It's like you, you can't give them freedom. They'll, they'll like fall off a step this high and break their neck. They're, they're so incapable of any freedom. You have to control everything. You got to control when they sleep, when they eat. You know, I ain't going to get into all the things you got to do for them. You know, it's things you don't have to do when they get older. You have to exercise maximum control in their life. And then as they mature and they get older, it's it, from the time they're zero to the time they're, say, 18 leaving your house, it's just a slow dialing back of control you have in their life, and it's an increasing of freedom that you give them in their life. And every now and then they'll do something stupid, and you've got to dial it back this way just a little bit. And then you, you increase control, and you dial back freedom, and you go, that was dumb. You shouldn't have done that. You lost freedom. So I got, you, you proved to me you couldn't handle that freedom. And, so then you, and then they get it back, and then you start moving the dial again. Until you reach the point where you have no control in their life. Now, again, you may still have advice. You may have input. But ultimately, you have zero control over what they do. And some of you are at the point where you have teenagers in your house that you've literally handed the keys to the car. That's a, I can't imagine that moment just yet. You know, I'm not there yet. But you hand the keys to the car, and they drive away from your house, and you almost feel helpless. 
they, one wrong move, they could drive off and kill themselves. They could kill somebody else. And it's, it's terrifying because you've given, you've just, you've let, and so you have no control. And they, as they drive away, you watch them go and you try to tell them, you're like, I hope I raised you right. I hope I told you all the right things. I hope you got more common sense than you've demonstrated. But <laughs> I, I really am just hoping and praying. <laughs> and what happens? They have maximum freedom for good or bad. They, as they drive away, they could drive into a light pole. They could hit somebody else on the road. Or they could, they could surprise you and come back with, like, flowers and stuff and make you They have maximum, now they have maximum opportunity because you have no control. You lost control for that, for that moment. And this is a constant thing. So freedom and control have an inverse relationship. Why is this important? Because you've got to understand what God was doing in the garden. Okay, when he created man... He wanted to create beings that were like him, very, very similar to him in every capacity, that would have maximum freedom to rule this planet. So when we look at this earth and we go, why did God allow this? It's the wrong question. It's the wrong question. God didn't, or we look around and like, why did God do that? That's not what happened. In the very beginning, man was created and they were given maximum control. And everything that's happened from there forward has been on man, not on God. And this is important for us to understand because you don't realize how many mindsets we have. Even now, there are people in this room that bad things happen in their life and they blame God. Bad things happen in their life and they they blame God. And they don't realize, no, no, you don't understand. You've been given maximum control in your life. You've been given complete control in your life. God gave it to you. To rule, dominate, and have authority. Does it mean that God's not involved? Not at all. We're going to talk about that in a minute. You can get him involved, especially through prayer and and other ways, through obedience. But the fact remains, I just want you to understand the situation that we have here. When Satan, the the only reason why Satan has authority on this planet, please understand, the, the only reason why Satan has any power, any authority, any anything on this planet is because man gave it to him. God gave it to man, man gave it to Satan through his sin. And, and this was, uh, when, whenever Satan encounters, first of all, the New Testament calls Satan the God of this world. And whenever Satan encounters Jesus in the temptation, this is literally what he says to Jesus in the temptation. He says, he says all power and authority has been given to me, for it was turned over to me. And he said, I'll give it to you if you'll bow down. Jesus didn't laugh and go, you don't have any authority. You can't do anything. No, he said, no, I'm not bowing down to you. He said, I'm, I'm serving God. I'm bowing down to God. But what Satan said to him was still true, which was that all authority uh, and all power has been, has been given me for it has been turned over to me. Go back and read it. We're not going to look at it this morning. And that was true. When was it given to him? When Adam, who it had been given to by God, right here we're reading about it, all dominion had been given to him, he turned it over to Satan. The whole point of Jesus coming was to redeem all of that, change, change all of that. Okay? So freedom and control have an inverse relationship. God does not and did not want to create beings that he had to control. He wanted to create beings that had freedom to lead, create. All of these things that are like him. And that's what he did. So it has an inverse relationship. If you want to increase freedom, you have to decrease control. If you want to decrease freedom, you have to increase control. 
This is true with children. This is true with nations. You know, we live in a very high-freedom society, at least compared to other places around the world. And the, even, even in nations, this is true, that when you increase freedom, you decrease control. And if you're the government and you want to be big government, then you don't like that. Right? You, want, you don't want that. You want to exercise control. Why? Because you want to decrease freedom. And you can't have both. And this is what some people don't understand, even in, even in, even in nations. They don't understand that when you give up control to the government, you're decreasing your, your own freedom. Even if that's, it could be uh, used against you, it could not be. And so some people don't, don't understand that. They go, well, you know, some people are perfectly fine with the government providing, you know, food, housing, clothing, health care, you know, everything. Well, here's the issue. When you give up that control to them, you give up freedom. And there's a whole other group of people that says, I don't need the government to do anything for me. <laughs> I mean, build some roads, have a military, then I'll take care of my food. I'll take care of, my, I'll take care of myself. I don't need anyone else to do it. Those are two different mindsets. But here's the issue. Bo both have uh, multiple things we could talk about. And this is the thing with high freedom. When you have high freedom, okay, very high freedom, meaning I just want to do what I want. I want to be free to do what I want, and I don't want the, the government uh, being involved in it. Well, here's the thing with that. When you have very high freedom, there's less of a safety net. Okay, so you, when, there's, when there's very high freedom, then you get the choice to do whatever you want. Well, then you have to live with those consequences. And this is what people don't seem to understand. Like, uh, and we're not going to get... Y'all know if you've been coming for a long time, I try to not be political or anything like that. I don't, I don't do that. But you've got to understand how this applies to what we're talking about. If you make really bad decisions in your life, and then when you don't like the results, then you want the government to bail you out, that's a problem. Because now what you want is you want high freedom, but only when the consequences are good. You want really high freedom, except when that high freedom means I was free to do what I wanted. I made some really bad choices. Now I need you to come bail me out. Man, it got real quiet in here all of a sudden. I don't know uh, what's going on. But this is, this is the issue. You know, for example, and wherever you fall on this issue, you know, I know there was just a bunch of student loan debt paid off by the government. See, that, that's, that comes from a frame of mind. I made a choice to do this. Now I want somebody else to bail me out. That's not right in my opinion. And again, these aren't political statements. It's just a fact of what we're talking about with freedom. If I make a decision, I bear the responsibility of that decision. Isn't that life? And that's how God created us. So we, a lot of people think they want high freedom, except when that high freedom leads to consequences. Like right now, if I go to get on my mower at home, or I go get on my lawnmower at home, I can't even barely start the thing. You got to have this handle in this place. This lever's got to be down. This button's got to be pulled up. There's like so many safety things on the whole on the whole thing. You can't even hardly get it started. When you go to reverse, you got to press this button, do this just right, or it stalls out. What is all of that? It's 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 high control to prevent you from injuring yourself, right? And this is the kind of world that we live in, where everything comes. You could buy this. You could get a water bottle, and there's like a safety label. <laughs> Uh, don't, you, you know, you know don't, don't pour this on your face. You could drown. You know, whatever. There's just everything has safety labels and, you know, it's, it's all on and on. And what is the idea? The idea is like your control. You get in your seatbelt. You get in your car. You got the seatbelt dinging at you the whole time. Put your seatbelt on. Put your seatbelt on. Put your seatbelt on. 
What is all of that? Well, it's, it's control that is coming into your, into your life to try to prevent you from hurting yourself, right? I guess because I guess we're all dumb and we don't know how to, you know, put on a seatbelt or drive a lawnmower. Somehow they did it years before us, but we can't figure it out now. So I just, on Amazon, I just went and bought one of those little seatbelt extenders and I put it in the thing and now mine doesn't beep anymore. So that, you can go do that, by the way, if you want to. I still wear my seatbelt. I just don't need a car reminding me to, to do it, okay? So that's just me. I know not everybody thinks that way, but. But here's the point. Here's the point. We don't, even, even in America, which is a very high freedom culture, we, we still have all of these measures that are there to try to have a safety net because freedom is so powerful. Freedom is so powerful that you could literally, even on accident, you could end your life when you walk out of this place. That's why these safety things and all these things are in place. Because when you have maximum freedom, you have the opportunity for maximum results, even in a bad way. And we know that that one choice, one mistake even, not, not even feeling like a choice, just one mistake, one lapse of judgment for just a few seconds could end your life like that. That's how powerful the freedom of choice is. And this is the freedom, though, that God gave us. Notice that without, say, government, for example, as if there was no government, this is the world that we would live in. We would live in a world where choices, just, just the world that God created, and this is how it was in the beginning, okay, when there was no mitigating factors of, of government, laws, and all those sorts of things, we, God created a world and set up a world where it was maximum freedom. And when you made a decision, the consequences were quick and they were swift. If you went down to the river and you were like, oh, I need to get some water. And you saw something across the way like, oh, look, some blueberries across the river. And you're going to try. And you come in and it swept you down and you hit your head on a rock. Dead. I mean, and you go, that's unfair. It shouldn't be like that. That's, high free that's the result of high freedom. And that's the world that was created. It's a very, very high freedom world. Why are we spending so much time on this? Because you have to understand what you've been given. You have to understand what's been put in your power. You have to understand how God thinks. Okay? And what he has designed, this world that he has designed, is a world where your choices are so exponentially more powerful than sometimes we realize. And because we live in a world where those choices are mitigated often through safety features and laws and government and, and all that, sometimes we forget that, but our choices are incredibly powerful and they affect the future of our, our lives in the future and the future of our children and our children's children and our communities and our churches. Just one person's decision can affect other people's lives. It's extremely important. So freedom is amazing, but it is a two-edged sword. Because it also means that no one's coming to rescue you either. In other words, if you make a choice, sometimes you have to live with the consequences of that. And there's not necessarily always someone coming to rescue you. You see this with the prodigal son. You remember the story of the prodigal son? prodigal son 
well, he asked for his father's inheritance. He said, I want, I want the half of mine, that, you know, of my inheritance. He gave it to him. He went out. He squandered everything. You remember, he, he lost everything. Through what? Choices. Bad decisions. Things he regretted later. But guess what? He never got the inheritance back. First of all, notice that the father never came looking for him. He had to return to the father. He had to repent. He had to return to the father. When he did, he got open arms. Forgiveness, mercy, kindness. They slaughtered the fatted calf. But guess what? The inheritance was gone. He never got the inheritance back. The other half was for his brother. So this is sometimes what we don't understand either, is that choices have significant consequences, and just because you repent doesn't mean that those consequences are removed. You may receive forgiveness with God, your eternity is secure, but you may still have to walk out the consequences of some of your choices and decisions. This is the way the world has been set up. If you've lived a life of doing wrong and making bad choices and bad decisions, and you start making good ones, it doesn't automatically eradicate all of the previous bad decisions. And sometimes that's how we look at God. We're like, well, God, I've, I've been doing right. How come you didn't clean this out? How come you haven't changed this? How come I'm still dealing with this? Because God is not mocked, and that's the seeds that you've sown. There's still a harvest on that. Now, you can never discount the mercy of God. And I, I guarantee you, we've all gotten way less than we deserve. I promise you. But the fact remains that these are the general principles. And if you are making choices and you're counting on, well, I'll just repent and God will you know, forgive me. Well, God will forgive you, but it doesn't mean that you're still not going to have a harvest on those bad choices. And this is what happened with the prodigal son. The prodigal son, sure, he got to come home. He got to be in the father's house. He got full love and acceptance from the father. There was no breach in relationship. But guess what? He was poor <laughs> from there forward. And he had to go build his own wealth now. He, the, the inheritance he had was gone. It was, it was squandered. Some of you know this. Some of you have lived this. There are all things in our past. Some of us have past marriages, past relationships, past things that there's no repairing that. Like you can repent and move forward. You can start making better decisions. But those, those things are still there. What is the point of that? Well, to realize that your decisions are really, really, really important. And this is why the Bible actually teaches that before you make a decision, it's very good practice to get godly counsel. Sometimes he said there's safety in godly counsel. Why? To protect you from making a bad decision that can't be reversed. That will have consequences going forward. Can any, of you, can any of you think of things in your life, decisions that you made when maybe you weren't thinking clearly, that you're like, man, if I could go back and do that different, I would, I would change this, do that? We all can. Of course we can. Maybe that are still affecting you today, decisions that you maybe made 20 years ago that are still affecting you today? Yes. Is there forgiveness? Of course. Is God's acceptance? Yeah. The mercy? Yeah. All of that. It doesn't change always, though, the harvest on those choices. Why is that important? Because you're making decisions now. And you're making decisions today. Not to condemn you for the past things. It's to realize some of us are making choices right now that we're going to regret five, ten years down the road. Some of us are making wrong choices today, tomorrow, next week. That's going to have a harvest. These principles still apply. So it's not to go back and look at the past and go, oh, I made this, I did this wrong. No, no, no. That's not our goal here. Our goal is to recognize that 
so that going forward, we make different choices. And I can tell you, there are some of you, you've already done this. You did this five years ago, and you've been making good decisions. You've been making good choices. You've been following God. You've been, you've been doing things for your family differently than you did before. And you're going to reap the harvest on that. You're going to reap the consequences of that in a good and in a positive way. Now let's go back and look at Genesis 1, verse 27. And we're going to see this very, very high freedom that we were talking about. So God created man in his own image. Genesis 1, 27. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on earth. Very, 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 very high freedom, but also very, 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 very high consequences. Adam and Eve had maximum freedom, and they made a decision in that garden that is literally still affecting everybody on this planet today. And we're probably going to read about that next week, but, you know, God told them, you can eat of all the trees in the garden, but of this one tree, don't do it. You know, he didn't take a burning uh, flame, you know, a wall of fire and put it around the tree and like electrify it and maybe put angels there to guard it. He just put the tree and he said, I'm going to give you the instruction. I'm going to give you the advice, but you have maximum freedom to do or not do. You have maximum freedom to obey, to not obey. They chose to disobey God. And listen, you are reaping the consequences of that today. Every person on this planet is still reaping the consequences of it. You, you may hear that and think, well, that seems unfair. I don't, want to, I don't want to be reaping the consequences of what Adam and Eve did, you know, what, six, eight thousand years ago. I don't want to be doing that. That doesn't seem fair. Well, you're, you're reaping the consequences right now of what your parents did just one generation ago. You're reaping the consequences, good or bad. You're reaping the consequences of what your grandparents did just two generations ago. You're reaping the consequences right now of what our founding fathers did for this nation when they got the nation planted. That was their choices. It's affecting us today. On and on and on and on. And guess what? Your children are going to affect, they're going to be affected by your decisions that you make. And people do stuff all the time and they, they tell themselves, oh, that ain't going to hurt them. You know, kids are resilient. That ain't going to hurt them. Well, again, your choices are going to impact them. Your decisions are going to impact them. And you bear the responsibility of that. And, I mean, we even bear the responsibility of it with people that aren't family. I mean, this, this church, depending on what happens with the church and how it goes and what decisions we do, I mean, it's going to affect all of us. So, and, and then the nation and the city, it goes on and on. That's how God created the world. It's a giant web where everybody's decisions affect everybody. One person can make a really bad decision and it can affect a lot of other people, even though it wasn't their decision. That happens all the time. That's the world that we live in. And so there, there's no such thing as a decision that only affects you. And this is a lie. This is a lie that the enemy has sold to people. And they go, well, it's okay if I do this. I know it's really bad. It's really immoral. It's really hurtful. But the good thing about it is it's only hurting me. That is such a lie. There's, no, there's never been such a thing. Because even if all you're doing in your mind is hurting you, then you're, by default, you're hurting everyone after you that was supposed to come after you. Because if you're corrupt and you're rotten 
and you're broken, then what, who's going to lead your children? And you go, well, I'm not going to have children. Well, that could be a, that's, a, that's really affecting them then because they don't even exist now because you decided not to have them. <laughs> that's a choice. So all of our decisions affect, they're intertwined. Everybody's decisions affect everybody. And again, we're, we're walking that out today, even from Adam and Eve, all the way back to the very first humans. It's rippled through time. And all the way until, if you think about it, the Son of God literally had to be crucified because of what Adam and Eve did. Knowing that, God still created the world the way that He did. So this ought to tell you something about freedom and how valuable it is. Knowing that, God still created the world that He, that he did. Could he, have dialed it, could he have dialed our free will back some? Could he, have, could he have tweaked it where there were limits on how much destruction we could cause? We didn't even have the capacity, maybe, to make certain decisions. Sure, he could have done anything that he, that he wanted. You could have been like that phone in your hand or this iPad up here where you're, just, you're programmed to do certain things and you, you only do what you're programmed to do. That's not what he did. He created you like him, where you have maximum freedom, complete free will to choose, to not choose, to do good, to do harm, to sin, to live holy. It's your choice. No one's coming to make you do it. God's not going to make you do it. You can do whatever you want to do in this life, however you want to do it, but then you're responsible for the consequences. And this is how God made you. This is how God created you. At the end of life, we will give an account to God for how we used our freedom. We will give an account to God on what choices we did what people we, we harmed, what, what good things we accomplished and, in, and influenced and all of that. I wrote this down when I was preparing this sermon. God gave man a will and the power of choice. This is the most powerful thing on the planet. It, call, it has caused every world war, every abuse, every travesty, every act of kindness... Every ministry, charity, every creation, painting, architecture has all started with someone's choice. Now you think about the most horrific things that have happened on the planet. They, they came because of the power of choice. Someone had the freedom to harm someone else through abuse, through imposing their will on them. It all came through the power of choice. So this, this ability, this God-like characteristic to choose, there's nothing more powerful in our world. There's nothing more powerful in our world than the ability to make a decision and to choose. It's, it's created everything. Okay, so let's look. We were talking earlier, Genesis 2, 15. The Lord, uh, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Again, not an enormous amount of instruction here. Not an enormous amount of instruction. He just plainly told him. Why? Because I believe Adam and Eve were brilliant. I believe their intellect was, very, it was godlike. They were, they were brilliant. They, they could understand instruction very easily. There didn't need to be a lot of explanation. This is so simple, even a child can understand it. Every single thing you see, you can eat of, except for this one right here. Don't eat it, because in the day you will die. How much more explanation is needed? I mean, that's, that's as clear as it gets. 
Every other tree you can have, not this one. This one's off limits. And if you do, the day you eat it, you will surely die. What'd they do? They ate of the one tree that they couldn't do. And I know, I know where people's mind goes, well, then why'd God put it there? Well, because without it, there is no choice. And that's what we've been talking about. Without it, they didn't even have an opportunity to choose. It was rigging, without it, really, they had choice, but God was rigging the system. Well, you have choice, but you don't even have the ability to choose anything that's wrong. That's not in God's character. He gave us free will. He gave us choice because He has choice. You know, God could snap His fingers right now and the whole planet explode. God has ultimate power. He could do anything He wants, but He only uses it for good. Even though He could do something else. So He gave man that ability. But without the actual opportunity of choice, then choice was just an illusion. It was a fake. It was a fraud. Without there actually being a real choice that had real consequences. So the tree was there so that his free will, that man's free will, and this power of choice, this godlike characteristic of, of choice, wasn't just an illusion. No, it had to be real. It had to be a real choice with real consequences, with real pain involved. And he gave that to Adam. What trust, what, what confidence that he had in his creation. And man, didn't take us long, unfortunately. I wished it had gone a few generations at least, but... I wish like his great-grandkids or something had eaten of the tree. But I mean, that would give us a little hope, you know, in man. But very first man, very first woman, they messed the whole thing up from there forward. And you may think, that's, that's insane. You know, that just seems like there was so much at risk. Well, this is the way that God has set things up. And I promise you, whether you completely understand it or not, there's a reason why it had to be this way for humans even to exist in the first place. Now, last passage <clears throat> that I want to read to you this morning is in Deuteronomy chapter 30. And <clears throat> you see this same principle playing out in Deuteronomy 30. God is bringing the children of Israel into the promised land. He's going to give them you know, peace from all their enemies. He calls it a land flowing with milk and honey. And he's going to establish them as a nation, strongest nation in the world. They're going to be a godly nation. They're going to serve him. They're going to worship him. He's got just nothing but good things planned for him. So then in, in Deuteronomy 28, he begins to lay out uh, the blessings and the curse, the curse of the law. And he, he just tells them, he says, look, you're, you're totally free to do what you want to do, but I'm letting you know in advance. If you don't follow these laws that I've laid out, this is what your life is going to look like. It's not going to be good. There are going to be severe consequences for it. Not even necessarily God-imposed consequences. Just natural consequences that are going to happen because you didn't follow the instruction. Because, see, God's law and God's instruction, it's, it's not there. Just it's not there. It's not arbitrary. It's there because it's correct. It's there because it's right. Kind of like the... the uh, owner's manual of your vehicle. It's not there because they just want to put laws on you. It's there because they designed the car so they actually know how it works. So they give it to you for your benefit. They go, look, this is how everything works. And if you do it like this, you'll get this amount of life out of your car. Now, if you use your car like this, the life is going to be shorter. You're going to, you're going to break something. It's going to tear up. So the manual is there for your benefit. <clears throat> and by the way, 
the manual was created after the car was built. In other words, we built the car, then I gave you a manual to say, here's how it works. Same thing with the Bible. Earth was created, then the Bible, the law, is given to say, this is how it works. And if you do different than this, there's going to be a high price to pay. So he's done all that. He laid out the blessing and cursing in Deuteronomy 28. He says, look, if you follow the law, you follow my instructions, this is what your life is going to look like. It's going to be beautiful. You'll be blessed on every side. You'll be blessed coming and going. You'll be the head and not the tail. You'll be above and not beneath. He said, you'll be so blessed. If not, these are the things that are going to happen. It's going to be ugly. Now we get to Deuteronomy 30. And this is what he says, verse 15, after explaining all that for two chapters. He says, see, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil. What is that? It's a choice. He says, I laid it out right before you. It's right in front of your face. Life and good or death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways, by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of. So it's very simple. Choose life. Choose good. It's going to go good. It's going to go well. Verse 17. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. The choice is so clear. From there to this day, it's been this way. Every human being has been faced with this, this, uh, this choice. Choose life or choose death. Now, you may not realize that in some of your choices, you've been choosing death. But this is how he lays it out. He says, when you, when you choose contrary to God's law, by default, you're choosing death, and it will not go well with you. But if you just follow my law, which are there for your benefit and to help you, if you follow my law, you're choosing life, and all will go well with you. But it's your choice. It's kind of like an open book test. I love this because he lays it all out. He said, look, I've laid it all out. Here it is. He says, I call heaven and earth as witness. I've set before you this day life and death, blessing and cursing. Then it's almost like he whispers and he says, look, therefore choose life. It's much better. <laughs> choose life. It's the much better option. Why? That you and your offspring and their offspring and their offspring and their offspring may live. Amen. What is the point of this series? There's two things that I want you to get out of this series. The vast majority of us have experienced things in this life that are directly connected and related to our choices. And this is the first thing I want you to understand out of this series. Number one is I want us to shift our mind just a little bit. Maybe we move the needle just a little bit. We shift our mindset just a little bit from blaming God, blaming others. And when I say blaming God, I don't even mean being mad at God. I just mean saying things like this, which I hear all the time. I, as a pastor, I hear it all the time. Look, I don't even correct it when I hear it because I just hear it so often that I'd, I'd be so tired of correcting it all the time. I hear this all the time. 
Well, you know, if it's supposed to happen, it'll happen. Really? Because everything I read in the Bible, that God actually put a lot of stuff within your control. You know, this would be a whole other sermon. We can't get into it today. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about that statement and statements like it in a whole other sermon. Because all they're designed to do is shift the responsibility off of you. That's the whole goal of it. Well, if it's supposed to happen, it'll happen. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. Depends. A lot of factors involved there. But I know this, there's a lot of things that God's asked you to do that would cause it to happen. There's a lot of things that we're supposed to be doing that would cause that thing to happen in our life. And, we're, and if we just sit around and shuck responsibility, no, it, it actually will not happen. But we could spend some time on that. So number one, we have to acknowledge and we have to admit, we, if you don't do this one part, the rest of the series, you're going to be frustrated. You have to get this one thing to acknowledge that what I have experienced in life up to this point is very, very intrinsically connected to my choices. Even if what you've experienced is good. Now, you're not taking credit for it. We know God's involved. We know what God's done, His part, and all of that. But still... There's a difference between those who have made good choices and bad choices. Those who have made choices according to God's law and those who have made choices in rejection of God's law. There's gonna, your life is going to look different. It's going to look very different. So number one, we have to take responsibility for that and acknowledge the things that have happened in my life up to this point are very, very closely connected to the choices and the decisions that I have made and going forward they will be connected to the choices and the decisions that I've made. And number two, I want us to have a focus on looking forward and not backwards. Okay, so that first part, we do look backwards. We acknowledge I've made some choices and there's been results. But then we look forward and our focus is going to be from this point forward, how do I choose and act differently so that my harvest going forward is different and so that my children's heart and those connected to me, those that I'm influencing, that their lives are different because of my choices going forward as well. Amen.